Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard, where super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co-host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard, hosted by me, Rajiv, and my dear friend, Victor. That's right. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. Today, we're joined by Alfred Poor, who is a natural networker and connector. In fact, his doctoral dissertation about social networks more than 20 years before the launch of Facebook is extremely relevant to this conversation. He is a speaker and author with international reputation and a strong background in technology topics. His superpower is his ability to explain complex concepts in a way that people can put to immediate practical use. A graduate of Harvard, he is the author and co-author of more than a dozen books. He's the editor of Health Tech Insider, an industry website and newsletter that provides curated news and original analysis about wearable and mobile tech for health and medical applications. He also shares his expertise in online presentations and virtual meetings through his free monthly speaker springboard system demonstrations. Alfred, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rajiv. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. So. Uh, Alfred, I mean, what was it like thinking about social media before social media? <laughs> well, it's it, it, it's funny because um, I I don't even think I've told Victor this story, but my networking natural networking tendencies date all the way back to high school. Um, <clears throat> when I was graduating from high school, I was looking to. Uh, I, I wanted to be an oceanographer. I wanted to go into marine biology. And my dream summer job was to get a job working either in Woods Hole on Cape Cod or um, out in La Jolla in California. And you know, here I was just a fresh high school graduate, no experience. And I ended up landing a lab assistant role in Woods Hole for the summer. Um, this is a time when graduate students were couldn't pay to be there for the summer because they didn't have spots for them. And the way I did it was very simple. I just told everybody I knew um, what I was looking for. Uh, this, is, this is what I plan to do this summer and spread the word. And it turned out that my grandmother played bridge with a woman whose son ran a lab and was whole. Um, you know, there's just no way to, to make that happen. But the, you, know, you cast a big net and you make it, I think the, the, the really key trick is to be clear because when you say, oh, I'll take anything, 
then you get nothing. But uh, the, the, the thing was, you know, I said very specifically what I was looking for. And, and I think one of the key parts is also to give people the language, tell them, tell them the words to say, to describe what you're trying to do. And I ended up getting this dream job. Uh, Alfred, that's great. That's a great example, I think, of use, casting your net and making it work i.e. networking, right? So I, I think there's a, lot of key, there's a lot of elements there that I think we should unpack for just a second, right? One is, you know, the, one of the tricky things about networking, right, is that you don't know who somebody else knows. So just because they're a lawyer doesn't mean they, you know, or, or a grandmother or something doesn't mean that they don't have a friend who has exactly what you're looking for. So I think that's a fabulous example of telling everybody and also, right, is, you know, connecting the dots, but making the dots very clear for people. Because, right. I mean, let, let's be blunt, right? People aren't going to try to figure out what, what it is you really want, Alfred, right? Because they don't really have time and, you know, they're, people tend to be sort of focused on themselves. But if you say like the key words, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like you were not only were you networking, but you were doing a Google search before Google yes. and employing keywords. So that's great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and again, graduating from college, I wanted to go into teaching. And at the time, it was a terrible time to get a teaching job. Um, and the way most people did it was they would just send out hundreds of resumes you know, trying, to, trying to land a job. And uh, as I think I told you, Victor, um, I sent out a grand total of two resumes and I got three job offers. <laughs> So maybe so, can you give us a little bit more detail on that? Sure. I, think, I think that's the part where all, all of a sudden you got everybody's attention. Yep. Yeah. So, so um, I'm of the, of the mindset, I still believe this to this day, that the best way to go about getting a job is not to apply for it, but to find the job. And then the application becomes just closing the deal. If, if that makes sense. And that's, that's what happened here. I networked around to find schools that had, you know, had openings for a science teacher. And um, in, in two cases, I went and, you know, visited the schools and um, did a couple practice, you know, demonstration classes for, uh, for them, you know, auditioning for the part, so to speak. And the resume was, didn't come until after all of that. Um, and, you know, because I had people introducing me to the, to the schools. And then as it turned out, <laughs> end of the summer, another school had, had a teacher drop out at the last minute and they knew I had been looking and that was the third job. And I didn't even, never even applied for a job with them and they, they gave me an offer. Oh, that's great. Because one of the things I, I don't understand, I mean, I, that's a terrific hack. Because one of the things I don't understand is like often like on job sites or LinkedIn, even they'll say, they'll say, here's a job posting and they'll say 75 people have applied. Right. And I mean, I don't understand why they do that because nobody wants to be number 76, right? Because they'll, they'll never get to you. So I think you're, you know, the whole thing about like, how do you cut the line? Right. That's yep. another thing they teach you in high school, right? How do you, how do you cut, cut to the front of the line? Yep. And well, it's the way, and then, you know, working your network. That's one that's way to win the game is to not play. Um, and, and the big problem right now, uh, you know, to go back to the old Saturday Night Live skit, computers are a curse and a blessing. Um, and uh, 
computers make it really easy for companies to post jobs and reach a much bigger audience. And it's really easy for job applicants to apply for their job, for those jobs. But the biggest problem with all that is that uh, it makes it too easy on both sides. And so where a company used to get, you know, 20, 30, 40 applications for the job, now they're getting two, three, four, 500. And humans don't see them. They all get filtered through automated filtering process first. And, um, you know, and it, it, it's, and, and the, you know, the, the company says you're a good candidate, but they never hear back from them. The candidate sends out their resume, but never hears back from the company. I mean, the norm is to never, never hear from them again. And the fact remains that a large portion of jobs never get posted, all right? It, because they get filled in other routes. And even if they do get posted, some, if somebody inside the company recommends you for the position, you're already 10 times more likely to get the job. Um, because the, you know, the ones that just come in unsolicited over the transom, I've seen numbers as high as 90, 95% of them are totally unqualified for the position. So and, Alfred, in yeah. fact, one of the things that came to mind as you were speaking about what you said earlier, and, and I must say that a lot of what you're saying seems very controversial. You know, the way to win the game is to not play it. You know, so that's just very interesting, very, very um some people are definitely going to get triggered when they hear that. Um, so I guess my question is, Alfred, uh, does this strategy still apply in 2022? Absolutely. And, and if Absolutely. so, how would you how would you deploy it? Well, so a number of years ago, one of the speaking topics that I was focused on was helping college students prepare the soft skills that they need to land jobs, and 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 landing the job was a big part of it. Um, I am still, to this day, a huge proponent of the informational interview. Um, you go to, not to HR, but you go to a department manager or you know, somebody who's doing the kind of work that you want to do, and you ask them if you could have an informational interview because you're starting your job search, and you do not ask them for a job. You go in and you ask them, you know, what do you do? What's your day looks like? What's your training? You know, what, you know, uh, what, is, what are the different levels in the organization? You know, what's a typical career path look like? What do they do? What, what are some of the tasks that they get in? And just ask them questions. Um, and, and then when you finish, you go away and you write them a handwritten note saying, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate your spending the time. Um, really simple, really basic stuff. But what happens there is now they know you, right? They, you're not a piece of paper, you know, and, and they've, you know, in the back and forth, they've learned a little bit about your background and what you care about and what you're good at and what kind of experiences you've had. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're a three-dimensional figure for them. And so, later when you come back to them and say, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've really appreciated the stuff you told me. It sounds like this kind of activity in your business is something that appeals to me and that I'd be good at. Let me know if, you know, there are any opportunities that come along that, that, you know, 
I might might want to know about either you know in your company or if you know about other companies looking for the same kind of position. And that's going to be so much more efficient than going on these job sites and just cutting and pasting three, four hundred resumes. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I had a business. That's, I like that strategy. I, I had a business partner who used to say, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Absolutely. Right? right. So once you get known to them, right, like you said, that now you're an actual person. And I think what it's what's interesting is that there's a very fine line. People are happy to help and people are happy to give advice, I think. But nobody people don't like being hit up for a job. No, no. And and so you're starting. One thing I learned really early on, the number one easiest thing to do is to get somebody to talk about what they do for a living. Right. right. Cocktail parties, <laughs> sports, you know, watching your kids play sports, you know, informational interviews, networking at, at, at uh, industry events. Doesn't matter. You know, oh, what do you do? Oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, and, usually the problem is getting them to stop. Yeah, right, right. And so, um, but that's, uh, you know, it's valuable information for you, but it also helps establish a, a relationship that you, you're connecting with them. And, and, but the other thing is, you're interested in them. You're engaged with them as an individual rather than the company. Um, and, and so you're not asking anything of them. You're just, you're just looking to connect and, 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 and learn about them. So, I mean, the minute, you turn, the minute you turn the polarity and start asking them for something, then the shields go up. Yeah, I think that's the tricky part, right? Is that people, it's a, it's a strategy you have to execute with some subtlety and some nuance. Because I, I do find when people reach out you know, for informational interviews, they're fairly, uh, how, do I, how do I say this nicely, ham-handed mm -hmm. about it. Not, of course, I like ham, but that's a different problem. So where they, it, it's quite clear that it's a disguised way right. of getting yep. to somebody and asking for a job. So and, but I, and, I do think if they do it right, like if they, and if they do their research, right? So they have an understanding of what business you're already in and then also who you are, then, and they kind of, you know, keep it low key. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, it, it's the old saying, once you can fake sincerity, you can, you, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, companies don't hire people. People hire people. Right. It's just like, you know, you know, people don't do business with companies. People do business with people. It, it goes the same thing with the job search. And, and I mean, all of the different reasons you would be networking. You know, it's not about this monolithic company that you inter engage with. You're engaging with actual individuals. And when you're engaging with somebody, um, you know, it's all about um, transparency and and sincerity you know, um, um, you know being credible and 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 honest and and open and those are the you know the the, the key stakes if if you go in there with an ulterior motive um, and you're not you're not sincere uh, uh, about about your reason for it it's yeah you're right it's not going to go well but if you go in saying you know i really want to learn from you uh, you know, you, you have knowledge that's going to be useful to me. In your mind, yeah, that's the first step towards 
you know, these other steps that I'm going to take. But right now, in the moment, I'm I'm here to learn. Right. And the other, I guess, you know, the other thing to maybe think about in those situations, right, is that we often sort of cede all the power to the person who we're talking to, right? Because we're the one, obviously we're thinking to ourselves, you know, we really want that job, right? But I think it's important for the other person to see that we have value as well. And, and is that, and when you're talking to them, is that even somebody you'd actually want to work for? Or maybe you don't like yeah. that feeling, yeah. right? So right. I think you have to give yourself a little bit more control and where you're not just sort of the, the supplicant, as it were, right? You're not the person they're begging for a job. Because then, you know, you've got to be a little bit more on, uh, uh, not entirely a par with the person, but but that you're, you know, you're a respectable, you know, human being as it is. Um, can we switch? Gears well, let, me, let me just tag one yeah. thing on that. Yeah. And that is in a past life, I came in second for a job that I really wanted. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was working in the school district in the superintendent's office. And the business manager resigned. And so they were searching for a new business manager. And it came down to three candidates. And, and I was one of them. Um, and uh, uh, the, 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 the school board, went, the finance committee went, uh, you know, had a really hard time um, choosing somebody, but they chose one of the other candidates instead of me. But what happened was the other candidate couldn't start the job for six months because he still had to fulfill his commitment to his, his current employer, his current district. And so I got the job for six months and I got the pay and I got the experience and I got the luxury of discovering that I did not like that job and I really <laughs> didn't want it. And I was so lucky I didn't get it. So. Wow, um, never heard of that. That's that's pretty fun. Yeah. So you it, dodged that bullet, and, and here you are today. Yep, yep. It right. uh, set me on set me on a different path. And 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 had I gotten that job, I probably would would have stayed in that job till I retired. There you um, go. Probably would not have. Well, I would. I know I wouldn't have had anywhere near the kinds of experiences that I've been able to enjoy. Well, it's it's nice to have those options. But so yeah. so if we could back up a little bit. So Rajiv sure. was asking earlier about you know networking in twenty twenty two. Yeah. And I know a lot of the work you've been doing recently is helping people who need networking help in terms of using some of the tools and Zoom. Because um, nowadays we're still on Zoom, and you know today you, you turn on the news, and now there's a new variant. Um, so this this is going to be going on for a long time. You know, I, I think if I think if the COVID-19 pandemic just magically disappeared tomorrow, we would still be doing a lot more virtual meetings, virtual conferences, uh, online engagement than we did pre-pandemic because we've, we've discovered the advantages. It saves us time. Don't have to travel. It's, you know, you have don't have time zone problems, you know, because, you, you know, you, you, you can, you can meet up online. It, it just saves so much time and money. Now there's still, absolutely, there's still room for face-to-face -face, um, and, and there's some distinct advantages of it. But we're gonna be doing a lot more of this. And, and my problem is that while a lot of people are very, as I say, intentional about how they appear, the impression they make when they're meeting face-to-face, with, with the pandemic and virtual meetings, 
they just opened up their laptop, sit back and let her rip. Um, and without that same intentional forethought about what kind of impression are you making? What, you know, what is the, the, the persona? What's the brand? What's the, the message that you're sending to the other person? And is that congruent with your, what you're trying to accomplish? I, I believe that in many, many cases, it's not. Yeah, that's very funny. Well, not haha funny, I guess, because one of the themes that we've explored a lot that Rajiv and I've explored in the podcast and also with our guests is that when whenever you say whenever you start to say networking, something switches off in people's brains and they behave in ways that they wouldn't normally if they weren't thinking about networking. Right. So it, it's sort of almost unnatural or non-human type behavior, which which I think is something we're trying to help people with. So can you give us some examples of both the behavior you see, which you would recommend against, and the suggestions you have for how people can improve their, their performance um, and, and the sure. impressions they're creating on virtual networking. So uh, just a couple of things. I mean, one of, the, one of the, the very interesting things is about how you're framed on, your, you know, on the image, how you appear. And I was speaking with a psychologist from, from Stanford who's done a lot of research in this area. And he made a really good point. A lot of people are framed so that it's just from the neck up to the top of their head. Um, and, and he pointed out that, you know, that's too close. You, you feel like that person's invading your personal space and you're just setting them up to want to step back from you, and, which is exactly the, the wrong reaction you want to you trigger. And so his point was the more of your torso that appears on the screen, the more engaging, the more approachable, the more trustworthy you appear to the other person. So, um, you know, I mean, just imagine, you know, you're, you, 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 you go to have a business meeting with somebody and they're seated up in a high, you know, up behind a big desk peering down at you and you're in the low chair, you know, I mean, that's not going to set off a good dynamic um, between you. So you, you need to make that same kind of, of calculus about what's the impression that you're making. And one of my pieces of advice is watch the, the news channels. Look at how the, the hosts are, are framed in the image. And you're going to see, you know, it's at least down to the bottom of the rib cage and somewhere between the rib cage and the belt is, is probably about optimal. Um, but for the average person on Zoom, no, it's you're lucky if you see their shoulders. Wow, that's really great. Because, you know, it's, it's, I love it, Alpha, because that's one of those tips. Where as soon as you say it, I can picture in my head the people on CNN or MSNB or anywhere else, right? And, you know, and then, yeah, that's my first reaction. My second reaction is, well, of course they do that. That makes perfect sense. And then you realize, wait, oops, that's not what I do. So why aren't I doing that? Yes, that's exactly right. So, Alfred, I guess I have a question, right? So. Sure. The example you shared is like broadcast television where it's like you're speaking to them, you're not expecting a response. So it's not interactive in that way. But the thinking of when somebody like, let's say me or Victor, who appears a little bit closer to the screen uh, and you can see like maybe more of our face and shoulder, not really the torso, is perhaps that we're looking to make eye contact with people. And if you're further back, that's gonna be a little bit harder, right? No. I mean, I, I get the point, and there's this is a this is certainly a space where reasonable people may have differing opinions, 
but I will definitely say no. Watch late night television shows, all right? They have an audience filling the studio. And what do they do? They look at the camera the entire time, right? They are making eye contact with you right through the camera. And that's what is key. It doesn't matter whether you're up close or further away. If you're not looking right at the lens, you're not making eye contact with the other person. Um, and and yeah, to but, me, that's the but key. Alfred, but Alfred, in that situation, the person on the other end is not having a, a conversation with that person. It's a uh, I would I would again I would disagree. I would say that they are they're they're on the receiving end, but it's still, I mean, if I'm sitting there talking to you and I'm looking off to the side, I don't care whether we're on virtual or face to face, that's not going to connect with you, right? It's when I'm looking at you that that we connect. And um so it, you know, it's not unique to online. It's it's the whole the same holds true for face to face. You want to make eye contact. Uh, but that's independent of how you're framed on the screen. You can Elf, still see making that, that eye contact. Elf, um, can, I, can I ask you about along sure. those lines? One of the great mysteries of Zoom, it seems, is where should I look? Should you I should look, look at, at the lens? At the lens, right? At the lens. Right now. Which, which is very I'm looking, now I feel like I'm being rude. I'm not looking at you. I'm look, I am looking. I know it, it, because that's that's one of the things that you have to learn. That's a training that you have to teach yourself um, in order to be able to make that that connection. Um, you you have to ignore what's on the screen and look at the lens. Now I'm cheating because I'm looking at you right in the eye, and I'm doing that because I've built myself a teleprompter kind of thing that my my screen's down there. It's reflecting off a piece of plastic with the camera behind it. So I'm looking right oh at the God. reflection of the screen at the camera. And it makes it really easy for me. Got it. Yeah, I've, I've actually <laughs> seen, this is not a plug, but I've actually seen a camera where it, it clips to the top of your laptop and it extends to the middle of your screen. Yep. Yeah. So, so that it, it kind of, you're sort of faking, yeah. you know. It, it makes it, it easier to fake it. Yeah. yeah I, and that's what I used to do before I got this rig built. Um, I, I, I mounted my web camera on a on a speaker on a microphone stand like you'd use on stage and just prop that in front of the in front of the screen and when, if i didn't want it i just could swing it out of the way got it but the problem there is if you're doing that on your laptop that camera is going to be too close to you right you're going to need to have a camera that's further away from you which is why i i recommend that everybody use an external camera you know external webcam right oh this is great so, Alfred, I think you've given our audience a lot to think about, both in terms of the networking in general. And I, th I thought the, the, the strategy you talked about at the beginning was great in terms of helping you find a job or, or avoiding a job, as the case might be. <laughs> uh, and I think some you know, the tips about you know, how to really apply some of those principles to today's technology, because I think you're right, whether it's for work or for networking or anything else. Yeah, um, you know, really, you know, becoming comfortable with Zoom and understanding how to come across best. Is, Thank is you. Great. Yeah, I, I think the key is that people can make improvements to how how they come across online. They they just need to be incremental, in, uh, intentional, and impactful. Right. So three eyes. Right. And they're in. Oh, how about a fourth eye? They're inexpensive. They that, <laughs> a lot of them can be inexpensive. Most right. of them can be in, inexpensive. Little right. or no 
no money. I mean, it, you know, to upgrade to a good external webcam, sixty dollars for for a lot good Logitech webcam. So it's yeah. it's not a big expense. So so there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh well, thanks, Alfred Rajiv. Is there anything you want to? Uh, yeah. So I actually there I just had one follow up question, and maybe this is a question that you get asked often. Is uh, Alfred from your vantage point? Do you have any? I don't know, either philosophy or point of view on this whole conversation around the Zoom background. Should it be static? Should it be dynamic? Should it be a flat image? Should it be a single color image? Uh, I've seen people do it in all different ways. I've seen people that have just white as the background, nothing, not branded at all. And then there are others like, let's say what you're using and I'm using, which is a minimal branding, but a largely uniform picture. And then there are others that just go crazy and have like a mini movie playing in the background. So yep. like, tell us. So, so um, it's a little bit of a dodge of an answer, but good is always good and bad is always bad. And so I don't care whether you have a real backdrop behind you, whether you know it's office shelves or, and, and whatever, or whether it's a printed canvas that's you know, muslin that's dropped down, or if you're using a, a virtual green screen, I don't care what you're doing as long as it's good. I mean, so many people are using the built-in virtual background that you get with Zoom and other platforms. And I don't care what you're doing. It, it really doesn't look good. You know, you bring your hands up, you've got web fingers. Um, people with longer hair, it looks like they're underwater. You know, it, things appear and disappear, you know, um, and... And again, what, how would you, if you were walking into a conference room for a meeting, would you want part of your wardrobe to appear and disappear as you're walking along? <laughs> Probably not. That's where I'm talking about the intentional, all right? So, so don't just do it because it's there, because why not? It's, make those changes be intentional. So there are things you can do to make a virtual background look really, really good. Um, but if it's not really good, then it becomes a distraction. And if it's a distraction, then people are gonna be paying attention to your web fingers and not to what you're trying to say. And so it's gonna be harder for you to get your message across. But the same thing holds with, um, with a real background. If you're just using your office. I mean, I had a good friend and there was always a beer can or two sitting on the shelf behind him. Um, but the biggest mistake I see that people make with their, their office backgrounds is when they show a bookshelf. And now tell me, tell me you've never done this. You're watching a news channel and they have an expert on and they're seeing, yep, exactly. And, and, and you see their bookshelf. How many times have you just stopped it? You know, stop listening to what they're saying and tried to read the titles on their bookshelf to figure out what they're reading. What do they think is important? Total distraction. So I actually have a, 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 a bookshelf background that I use. But I went into Photoshop and I blurred it so that you can't, can't read the titles. You're not even tempted. Um, again, that's part of that intentional step. You, know, you have to think about the impression you're making and what's the message you're trying to send. Wow. wow. So I guess, Alfred, uh, like, first of all, thank you for that, those many nuggets that you so generously bestowed upon our listeners and our audience. Uh, the I guess the last question that I have for you, Alfred, is 
What is the best way for our listeners who are listening to get in touch with you? Certainly. Well, I'm um, on all the, I'm on link, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and I've been around technology long enough that I've got Alfred Poor as all as my accounts on all three. So I'm Alfred Poor on LinkedIn, Alfred Poor on Twitter, Alfred Poor on Facebook. You can find me that way. Uh, if you want to email me, it's Alfred at alfredpoor.com. Makes it nice, makes it simple. Um, but um, yeah, if people have have questions, please feel free to reach out. I'd be more than happy to to engage and and. As, uh, as you mentioned at the top, I do offer a, a free monthly demonstration about how people can uh, be more effective and, and impactful in their, their online presence. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Alfred, yeah, I think this has been fantastic. All of the links that you share with us will be in the episode description. So this way, uh, people can uh, click on and interact with the links that you authorize for us to share. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this has been a terrific conversation. I, I've definitely learned a lot and you've definitely given me some another perspective to consider, which I previously did not consider it. And I think this is all, you know, I'm a big believer in Kaizen. Kaizen is the Japanese philosophy of continuous improvement or continuous change. And I think, you know, it's sometimes it's those small little pieces that you kind of have to work on to kind of just get that 1% or 2% better. And that's what sometimes just makes all the difference. Yep. And pick, uh, pick the, pick the low hanging fruit, make that better, and then take the next step and fix the next thing. Was that better now? Okay. Maybe it is. that is much better. You need to fix your mic now, but, right. <laughs> but, but to me, that's a much better framing. Gotcha. Gotcha. See, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm trying to do this. I'm learning. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Alfred. Thank you so much. I really appreciate Thanks, the, the, the conversation. Please send us your comments and questions about networking by posting them in the comments below. Or for a quick response, email us at dintlearn at harvard at gmail.com. Please like, comment, and subscribe. It means the world to us. Try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it or if you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you. No charge. That's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned something here today.